0: For this episode, I spoke with Professor LaWanna McCoy, the purveyor of warm, gentle smiles all day long. It's quite disconcerting that she never, ever, ever has a frown on her face. It's as if the world doesn't bother her, or worse, she doesn't let it. I certainly envy her ability to always see the bright side of things. I had a wonderful conversation with her, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: I am from Thomasville, Georgia. And Thomasville, Georgia is about 22 miles from the Florida state line. And so growing up in a small town, um, you grow up with a lot of conservative ideas because it's handed down to you. But at the same time, you grow up in a family of love, care and compassion. And I'm proud to say the latter superseded the first part of growing up in a small town. Um, I was a happy child and I experienced a lot of good things and a lot of fun times in my house until my mother passed away when I was 13 years old and it was devastating. And I think the most devastating part of it was the fact that we were not there. You know, you you are so accustomed as a child to coming home to, there's mom, she's gonna have this for you, she's gonna ask you about your day. It, It didn't hit me until probably a year later that that question was not being asked any longer. And what made it a little bearable was the fact that I had siblings. So I have three older siblings, and then one was under me. And my younger sibling and I were probably the closest as I was growing up. But as I got older, I started to balance myself with the rest of my family. And we had a lot of scars, scars in the fact that we no longer had the glue that stuck our family together with us. And we just saw a lot of heartache, Um, watching my brother get arrested for armed robbery, Um, watching my sister Um, raise a baby with a very difficult husband and then watching another sister have um, arthritis at a very young age um, it was very difficult to just see those things and my younger sister and I were just like trying to figure it out because we were the youngest and so Fast forwarding, things don't really click until you become like an adult, you get a little older and you have other experiences. So I I was so close to my family that I had to get permission from my dad to go away out of the state to another college. And it took him a while. And he finally agreed. I ended up going to Oakwood University in Huntsville, Alabama, Um, went to school there, graduated with my bachelor's in management, and um, left there, and I worked in a faith-based organization for 29 years. And so during that 29 years, I really learned a lot probably after six years of working with this faith-based organization, I did work two years at Daytona State College um, as an adjunct. Um, And I was teaching um, computer applications. And I moved from the teaching to the administration. And when I became that administrator, that's when I think, the things and the values my mother instilled in me came into my life. I understood my purpose. And that purpose was that I am here to help people. And it came to me something that my mother did on Christmas day one year when we were even younger. Um, She was up all night cooking Christmas dinner and The next morning, of course, the smells woke us up, my younger sister and I, and we went in the kitchen just watching and my mother was packing up the food in the car. And we were like, what's going on? Where is our uh, Christmas dinner going? I mean, she packed up everything. And we hopped in the car because we wanted to know who was the culprit we wanted to know who was going to be getting this scrumptious food that basically um, awakened us abruptly. So we went around the corner, wasn't even a block, and at the door stood this mother and two small—no, three small children—and the house was dark. And she took all of that food into this family and i really felt that my sister and i were quiet we you know we were old enough to understand that these people did not have any food and it looked like they didn't have water or lights either and so i remember um just riding back the short ride home in the car just being really quiet and just you know, trying to figure everything out, you know, I'm like, I'm happy for them, but what's going to happen to us? And my mother started cooking a second meal. And it was even more food. Um, It was a lot of food the first time, but it was even more food this time. And I remember when my brother got locked up, how his, um, the The woman he had two children by would come by the house and my mother would give her her last. I I didn't understand these things at a younger age. But again, when I got into administration, I started to realize that the students before me, the children that come in my life, they are the ones that I have to make sure I take care of. That's just some people's purpose on this earth you know, is to help others, to take care of others. And so as a result, that kind of became the type of person I was, like Helpful Lawana. Lawana is going to help if she can because I like to see people happy. That's the way my mother was. And so as I started to get into administration, I started to work with at-risk children. And these children, I mean they were having such problems at home where the parents basically either wanted to literally kill them or just be done away with them and i remember them having to stay in my home several times just so that we could try to get some help for both the parents and the children i've seen a a share of just alcohol destroy families Sexual abuse, children coming you know to the school, needing help, and so this again really just became something that I knew was my calling i I had to continue teaching. unfortunately, when I got married and I was married for fourteen years i 'm um, not going to say anything ill about my ex husband We are friends to this day, but I will say this. Um, when you want children more than you want your own marriage, you know, that is just probably the toughest thing I had to deal with. Um, And that is what I wanted. I was happy to be married, but I wanted children. And there were a lot of concerns. I'm not going to talk about with him, but with me, I had fibroid tumors in my body and I didn't even know it and so it got to the point to where my hemoglobin was down to a three and I fell out at home. Luckily I was able to call my husband at the time, rushed me to the hospital. I was in the hospital for a week, had to get a blood transfusion and all that I just told you about Seeing that about my mom in administration, it just went all out the window for me. I'm like, no, I'm no longer going to teach. I'm no longer going to have anything to do with children. And this is what sealed the deal. I was on the fifth floor, I'll never forget this. I was on the fifth floor at Presbyterian Hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they were doing some renovations on that floor the day that I had my surgery. And so the next day they told me, we're gonna have to move you to another room because we have to finish these renovations over this Memorial Day weekend. I said, okay, no problem. I think I should be up and walking. So maybe that'll help me to really get going. And so I'm in the bed, they're strolling me, put me on the elevator, go up to the eighth floor. Well, that's the maternity ward. I lost it. I literally lost it because I said, how senseless can you be? I just got a hysterectomy and you are moving me to a floor where there are babies. I don't get it. And the nurse was so sorry that that happened and that they let that slip through the cracks. So much so that the the manager of the hospital came and personally apologized to me because I was just so broken. I, I just said, I cannot do this. Why are, why are you guys doing this to me? You should have let me die. I, I should have never gotten that blood transfusion. All of this was coming out. And my poor husband at the time didn't know what to do. So, Um, my family all came because they really thought I was losing it. And I think I was too. Um, So I was surrounded by a lot of love to help me through that transition. And so the time that I got it done, um, we were out of school by the time I got it done. And I remember saying to one of the parents, I said, I'm never going back. I'm just gonna start looking for another job. Maybe I'll get something in accounting. That was another background that I had. Maybe I'll just go get my CPA and just work with that. And he said to me, I'll never forget what he said to me, Moana, you were born to teach. Do not give something up. You will get through this. Do not allow this to shatter your dreams look at all of the students that you have helped and what about what you told me about your mom do you think your mom would be disappointed if she knew that you stopped trying to be like her because you told me that was your biggest role model and of course the tears are flowing and i'm like okay well i'm gonna go from never to maybe and i understood that day also the word never say never never say that phrase and so when the school year started back up i just said okay if i don't get this other job and i had applied for an accounting position and i was really close to getting there then i'm going to go back into the classroom but i want to see this through well i did get the job and I just could not get out of my head what that parent said to me and what my mother had done and had helped me through in understanding what this calling was all about so as a result i just basically chose to stay in the teaching field and the reason i did is because i think i had when i got back to school They gave me this big envelope and it was all of these cards and notes from students. And I cherished that. And I said, okay, this is my answer. And they were very happy that I came back that I decided to stay and fast forwarding it, it, I am elated that I stayed as well because I know this is something that I love to do. Um, In addition to that, I love walking, I love reading, I love classical music, I love classical movies, I love meeting with people, I've traveled the world, I've seen a lot of of different countries and appreciated cultures that have helped me to be the person that I am now. And um, I work very heavily in the community and I work with children I'm working with um, another colleague where we are creating videos each week, faith-based, faith-based videos, and we are posting them on Facebook and YouTube for children to you know, get some lessons um, um, so that they can keep their grounding. And so as a result, I, am, I have to say today, I am happy that I am in education. I work with some of the best colleagues probably in my, all of my teaching career. This is just, it just gets better and better um, because I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm still able to maintain what my mother taught me to be, even though she's not here. So that's kind of my story.
0: I don't think I've ever just felt blank, um, during this process of forgive me for, for not knowing how to follow up. Um, I will say that I, I, some of the people that I have spoken with through this project, uh, have the, the conversations that I've had with them, or for instance, the things that you just said or shared, uh, Really bother me uh in that they force me to question my worldview uh, and, and my views on faith which by by definition is not questioning you know predetermined things or whether there is predetermination or you know I, I choose to believe that there isn't, but uh, when, when people like yourself share what you have shared and i wouldn't be able to see you as a CPA, not to say that you can't do it, but you're so quintessentially a teacher, uh, that I, I, it would be a a waste of talent. Um, that's a phrase that I use with uh, one of my stepdaughters recently, uh, that it would be a terrible waste of talent to see you not reach your potential with with whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and I think I at some point of time I was in graduate school and I said, Oh yeah, let me go to medical school. That's going to be something I, I can do and I want to. And I remember my graduate advisor sitting me down and and very politely saying, what the hell are you doing? Uh, perhaps in, in more polite words, but that's what, that's the message I remember that you, you're, you're not a researcher. So don't go into that, but you, you, you're a good teacher and you you care about people and you, you know, you have all the qualities that would make you an excellent teacher were you to pursue, pursue that. So why, why are you always fragmented and looking for something else to do, whether it's, you know, a project here or a project there, concentrate and and sharpen that sword, be better at what you're good at and then you'll find purpose. And I didn't, and it wasn't until I, I took the full-time teaching position, or even when I was teaching as an adjunct. That those were the only times that I was truly happy, and and the world didn't bother me, or things outside didn't bother me. So as much as I hate to admit, that conversations like these make me doubt whether predestination or predetermination or in all that stuff is bunny foo foo, or if it, if it's real, uh, it, it it weakens my. I don't want to say my resolve, but it it calls into question the things that I, I believe as a self-proclaimed rationalist that you know no, you you do the things that you want to and you don't do the things you don't want to, but uh, you know you get better at the things you practice and you don't at the ones that you don't uh, but but the idea of some people are again I, i'm I'm betraying my my uh, former self by saying some people are put on this earth to to be helpers or to be teachers or to be beacons of, of, of guidance. Uh, it, it's, it's annoying. I, I don't like it when people like you do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> so forgive me for, for, for calling my, my annoying, but that's, that, that's what has happened over the past few weeks where I've had very personal conversations to where I didn't know that these were the things that you were going to talk about. Uh, Or that you were going to share so freely and and, and generously. But it it is very annoying to have to go to sleep at night knowing that, you know, rationality perhaps might not be the way out. Uh, As much as it has helped me get through my life, that some things are are, are perhaps left to emotion. uh, And you just go with the flow. And I'm using language that I detest when other people use. But conversations like these have forced me into that corner. Um, okay. So coming back to, I'm trying to think of where I want to make the detour. So how, how uh, you mentioned that, you know, you had a very close relationship with your, with your family members when your mom was around and, you know, she was the glue had, and then you mentioned that things kind of walked away a bit where do things reside now? Are, 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 are you back? Are, are things better than they were in the middle? Or are they uh, about the same? Have, have things progressed in some ways? Or have things remained the same with your family?
1: Things are, they have progressed a little. Um, I live in Florida, and I'm the only one that lives in Florida. All of my other siblings live in Georgia. And a lot of it is because um, I didn't want to offend my family um, because I am the first to have gone to college. Um, And that's the other thing about small towns, nobody really thinks about going to college but I had to do it for my younger sister and I told her whatever you do you got to go to school you know otherwise you're going to be here and life is just going to be very hard for you and we had our times when I was in college I was still a dependent under my oldest oldest sibling and she just refused to help me with my financial aid. I mean, all she had to do was send in that I was a dependent under her, she just refused. And it took one of the ladies in financial aid to just call her on her day off and have this talk with her. I didn't even know this until years later. And this lady got her to send in the paperwork for me to continue on my journey in school. And so after that, um, my oldest sister, she was very antagonistic. It's like she didn't want us to be close. And I felt still kind of disjointed from the family. But one day, I just called her out of the blue, and I let her know how I felt. And I said, I just, you know, I'm tired of being the black sheep of the family. Um, I want our family to be as one. And I don't understand what it is, or maybe I'm misunderstanding. And I had that talk with her, basically letting her know, you are now the matriarch of this family. And whether you like it or not, there are certain expectations you have. And so I'm asking you, to be understanding of that, to know, you know, that I just want us all to be one family. Well, as a result of that, that's what she's been doing. And so now she calls me and asks my opinion on certain things. Um, And when that broke, it brought the whole family back together. So she needed to be reminded that, Hey, you're in charge. You it's your we are your responsibility now. This is not just we're all adults and you go on. And I got a package from her the other day and it's um was a a shield to go across the the head um for protection and also some wipes, you know, things like that she's doing. And she celebrated her 60th birthday. And so we all had a Zoom meeting and celebrated her birthday. And we, I mean, there's a time we would have never done anything like that. Nobody even said happy birthday. And it's just bringing us closer together um, because we've all grown. And this didn't come overnight for me. I had to learn from colleagues, from people in communities where I lived. I've lived in Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. um, You know, I've had to learn from people who helped me also to grow and to see some things because at 13, you don't know anything. And I didn't know anything. And so my training from my mother was gone. I, I had no formal training. So I had to depend on people in the community and a compilation of that helped me to bridge my family back together. Now I'm not saying I repaired or we're together because of me. It was a collective effort um, where we just said, hey, let's get the ball rolling and let's be there for one another. So I, pr- I am probably the happiest I've been in my life since my mother died. Um, I've you know had just some rookie, rocky, rocky, Um, roads and just some rough patches that were very hard to get over. Um, And turning 55 next month, you got to say you're 55. So you got to now start to look at life a lot differently. Um, Bob, you. Why
0: why is that the case? I I, I never understand the argument and I don't know if I, I lack the wisdom that comes with age, uh, maybe I'm just wet behind the ears still, but why, why does that distinction need to be made?
1: It needs to be made because everybody has an age where they go through a midlife crisis. And that midlife crisis, it can be brought up about abruptly, or it can come gradually, or it can make you feel a certain way because you don't look a certain way. You know, it, it's just a lot of moving parts. But I read a book by um, Bob Buford, um, Halftime, My Halftime. And he basically talked about, or paralleled a football game. And he said, for the first half of your life, which is up to about 50 years old, you know, you've enjoyed a lot of youthfulness, you've done a lot of things, that was your prime time, but you have to start at 50 planning what you're going to do for the second half. And so during that halftime period, you gotta figure it out. And so my halftime period was when I got divorced. It was a very difficult time. Um, So I just did a lot of reading self-help books, learning from people, just trying to catch up to what I missed, what I felt I needed to know, and what I needed to be involved in. And it all boiled down to one simple thing. I didn't understand myself. I didn't know what it was that I wanted. I was doing things to please other people, but I was not happy. And so in my halftime, the only thing that I've done differently is basically started doing things for myself. I have to say no to some people. I used to say yes to everybody and no to myself. And now I say no to a lot of people, but I say yes to myself. So being at 55. I can't be concerned if you're upset that I didn't do it this way or that way. You know, if, and, and then I, I don't get upset or worry about when people, speak to me a certain way or um, throw doubt or whatever the case may be. I I don't let those things bother me anymore. So that's just my secret to life. I call my family regularly. I'm kind to people I encounter and I sleep well at night. That's the key.
0: Switching gears a little bit, but I I wanted to tease apart a a little bit of what you said earlier. So you're you're growing up at 13. uh, This positive influence, uh, seemingly positive influence, uh, uh, unfortunately vanishes. Um, You also mentioned that you were the first in your family to
1: attend college. What want to make sure I use the right word?
0: What motivated you to do that? Because I I find that I have never been able to get inside the mind of a student. And this is the exact same conversation I had with Matt uh, Klausa, whose episode got released last night, where I, I shared that in my family, both my parents have graduate degrees. So for growing up in that household, my sister and I did not know that there were options for us after high school. It, it, the expectation, uh, it, implicit and explicit, was you have to go to college and you don't just stop after an undergrad, you go for graduate school as well, because that means that you learn more and then you get better at whatever your job is. And I'm sure some part of that is also financially motivated, that if you have a graduate degree, you, you know your earning potential is higher. And in, in a country... Like india, it it makes you more eligible for a marriage, if it's arranged marriage, that kind of thing. But I haven't been able to I've gotten better at it, but I still find it very difficult to talk with a student that says, "I'm the first person in my family to go to college." I admire it immensely because it it can't be an easy decision. but there there it, they're almost very neatly decided into or divided into two boxes where they are, to borrow your word, offending their family by choosing to attend an institution of higher learning. Or it's a motivating voice from their family that's saying, hey, we never did this or we didn't have the opportunity to do this. So please, you be the vanguard. You you be the first person in the family and, and we support you. Uh, which category did you fall in and then how did you navigate that
1: and you don't have to answer um, the question if you don't want to i'll think of something else well no it's a it's a very good question and as you know you were expounding on helping me to understand it i i thought of like two opposite Um, family members. Um, I spoke about my sister a little bit and my sister said to me and I'll never forget it sitting at the kitchen table um, you are going to be stuck in a rut you'll graduate from high school but you'll never amount to anything you will get pregnant you will probably work at Joan Art Mills which was a factory in my hometown and you're just not gonna go anywhere. Well, I didn't look at that and just say, oh wow, I'm just gonna be another statistic. Those were challenging words for me. And I was that type of student in school, I would challenge the teacher and my teachers really took to me. Um, And they always wanted me to be the one to do the part at the school play <clears throat> or to lead out or let my essay be the one that is submitted. Um, so my teachers basically challenged me to never give up and to don't let anybody talk to me that way. And I, I was in school, you know, being born in the 60s, there was still a lot of um, segregation going on, but it kind of started going away and so these were caucasian teachers who believed in me and they kept me going and so unbeknownst to me they're telling my parents that i'm such a good student and my dad just when he would go to those conferences he would come home sit at the kitchen table with me and help me with my math and science homework And explain it to me in terms that I could get it. And so with all of that mixed in, when I became an adult, because when I got to high school, my dad stopped sitting at the kitchen table. Mom was gone. It it was just so many fragments. Um, I remember being under my sister's thumb, almost like fear of losing my family. But at the same time, I'm like, I got to get out of here. So, as a first time in college student, you wanna get out. That's the only thing you're thinking about. I gotta get out of here. Because when dad stopped coming around to give me the pep talk, in high school, I was not as focused because I didn't have a mom. I had a sister at the house who didn't believe in me. So, it was all of those things just warring in my brain. And so, you are only thinking. Wow, I'm going to be free. When I get that piece of paper, I can get out of here and I can do whatever I want and not have to do whatever she says or wherever she, whatever the case may be. And so that was the first motivation. And once I did get out, um, I was determined and I kept her words in my mind you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to end up pregnant, working at a factory for the rest of your life. That's what I kept going. And college was very hard for me because everything was so much faster than it was in my hometown. And so I had to cope with all of that. And so I'm still learning. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but first time I shaved my legs was in college. You know, I, I, we were not allowed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I still haven't done it. So you're one step ahead of me. I've never shaved my legs.
1: I was learning these things from other people. And so college became my way out and my way into helping others or giving back to others as well. So that was my motivation there. And I'm sorry, your second part of the question was...
0: I have no idea. <laughs> um,
1: I'm, I was hoping to group I, it all together.
0: No, I, to I, I I didn't mean to be flipping. I really forgot. And I think I, I, in some previous episode, I said, oh, I really should take notes uh, so that I, I don't forget the things that I right. asked. Uh, I am one step closer in that there's a pen next to me, but nothing to write on, so... <laughs> uh, maybe by the the next episode, I'll have a sheet of paper. Uh, Well, something else popped in my head. So maybe we can talk about this. When I became a full-time faculty member, I reached out to three, uh, of my undergraduate professors that I respected immensely. Um, I, I asked them, what are your guiding principles where's your north star if you know whatever analogy you want to take how do i become like you because you obviously made an impression on me and i i all these years later uh i, I am a math professor as weird as it sounds I, I still feel like that undergrad that was walking into your office you know not knowing how to do a certain problem and now i i'm an imposter who's joined your ranks so tell me uh, t- tell me what would make me better as a, as a teacher, or as an instructor. Um, two of them replied. I, the first one was very complimentary. And I, you know, this had been nine years. So no, not nine years, 2004 to 2017, 13 years. Sorry. So over a decade had passed. Uh, the first one said, Oh, I remember you, it it was snowing outside. You finished your test, but you forgot your homework, uh, which was due on the day of the test. And you you said that you were going to go back, run back to your dorm room, which was like a quarter mile away and then come back. And he said, I remember telling you that you don't have to come back the same day. You can just bring it in next class and it's okay. Yeah, I wouldn't take points off. And you went back and you said, no, no, no. And I'm going to come back. Uh, and the reason I had done that was because he had had his first child in the middle of the semester. It wasn't a day that we had class. So I, I guess class was hypothetically speaking Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He had a child, or his daughter was born on Tuesday, Wednesday. He was back in class. He wasn't there for office hours, but he said, "It's it, it, I have a family, and I, I have a commitment to them." But I have a commitment to teaching as well. So I will be here and then I will leave and the TAs will take questions and I won't be here unless I need to be here. And it's like if that guy is leaving his newborn daughter at home to come teach me, I can go back in the snow and I can bring back my homework. So he was I was surprised that he remembered that that evening. Uh, But he said, you know, treat people with respect and yada, yada, yada. The other professor, well, I guess that's the reason why I asked the question. Uh, He sent me my grade sheet and uh, he said, you know, I I still have all the documents that you turned in and uh, you were ranked 33rd out of 36 in class out of the 36 students we had uh, because you never came to class. You didn't turn in your homework on time, but you got perfect scores on every test. So you ended up getting a C because you know your attendance grade was trash, and he didn't use that word, but it was terrible. Uh, But I I had a bad habit of not attending attending lectures. Um, But I was reasonably good at matrix theory to where you know I I did well on tests. I I was good at math. I I learned the stuff. I just never learned it when I needed to. I was playing video games and not concentrating. And he said he, he. uh, shared that he himself had had a very tough time in undergrad. In fact, he dropped out, joined the U.S. Army, came back later, got a PhD in math, and now you know, became this fantastic professor. And he said, in class, you have to be Superman. You cannot let students know that you are anything less than perfect because they are the ideal that, you know, you are the ideal that they will aspire to. Do you agree with that? or Because you, you not seem to. You have a, a very strongly motivating story. And I find that sometimes in, in pretending, or not per, pretending, but putting on this face of I am perfect or I am good and this is how good you can be or ought to be, I think in, in the pursuit of, of that or portraying that, aspect of yourself, students tend not to see, I guess, me as someone who's fallible, who has faltered in his past, and that despite making mistakes, there is a way out. You can become a math professor, even though you got a C in matrix theory, uh, or that you, know, you had academic trouble when you were in undergrad. So which side of that do you land on? Do you share these these stories with your students to say, hey, I, I was able to uh I was the first person in my family to to attend college. And that means you can do it as well. Or do you leave that part out and 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 act as Professor McCoy, uh, God's gift to humanity?
1: <laughs> I I share parts of my story with my students just so that I can let them understand that I have walked a mile in their shoes. And, um, you know, if, if you see any of my correspondence, my, really it's my mantra, the only limitations in life are the ones you place on yourself. And so being superwoman, it has a lot of different meanings. As women, we are nurturers by nature Um, And so I'm concerned if you're not coming to class. So I have to make sure I check on you. Mm, i noticed you were not in class today. Are you okay? I'm going to email you. And if you don't respond, then I'm going to call you. And then if you don't respond there, I'm going to get your attention maybe through uh, the Dean of Student Services office because that is just the type of person I am. On top of that, I've got you know the syllabus there I understand, but I'm always saying, well, what if something is going on with the person that I can't control? And I go back to what if their mother passed away at a young age, like I had the experience. So when I do that, I'm able to relate to them a lot better. And they seem to appreciate that even Um, probability and statistics. Um, Because I was working so many hours, I failed that class. It's not that I didn't get it or understand it. I just was like you. I was not going to class. I was working, oversleeping, and I waited too late. And so I talked the professor into teaching the class over the, what we call the winter break back in the day. And we were out of school from Thanksgiving until the first of the year. And I said, can you do a six week course? She said, only if you find six people. Well, I found six people, including myself. And she taught that class, so I couldn't go home, I couldn't have any fun. I was a graduating senior and I needed that class. And I passed the class with an A and I let the students know the first time I passed it, I had a D And the second time I got an A. So I said, you know, learn from my mistake. Um, I am a superwoman in the fact that I'm never going to give up. And sometimes it may take me two times to do something, but it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It means that I did not prioritize or organize my time the way I should have the first time. And then I should have asked the professor or, you know, some leniency early on and not wait to the last minute trying to just think about my degree at the time. So we are all super man, super woman in the classroom, but we have different um, approaches, different styles that we bring um, to the students that are before us and there may be a student that does not pass my class and they may decide to go to another instructor for whatever the reason may be and i say to them you know i i it it hurts me that you did not do well but you know in your next class please communicate with the professor we have very good professors that are open minded you have to communicate on a regular basis and that's the superman, superwoman part it is to me because we really do nurture these students. And we basically have to teach them, not just from our life lessons, but also be cohesive when it comes to we all have the same teaching topics, our styles may differ. And you may reach one, or professor may reach you um, a different way than another professor does. Um, But do understand that we're all here to meet your needs. So even though I don't know your students, if I substitute for you, I'm going to uphold your rules, your regulations. But at the same time, I'm there if a student is having a problem with something. Listen, I know I should have spoken to, professor about this but i just had a tragedy in my family it's hard for me to focus you know i got to be superwoman in the stead of you if i'm substituting there so to me this becomes just a faculty of super heroes that's what we are to these students and i want to end with saying I was closing out of class and you know, we're not supposed to let the students come into the class, the next class, if you're leaving out. Well, this particular day I went over because a couple did have some questions. Well, some of the others started coming in. And the reason I did not ask them to leave is because of what they were saying. And one young lady said, you know, Palm Beach State College, these are the best professors. And I am so glad that I started my journey here. And the other young lady said, I agree. I mean, I have a professor in English and she is this, 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 and they were going back and forth. And the girl said, you know, I just, you know, want to be prepared when I do transfer to FAU and they are really helping me to do that. And so I just said to the young ladies, I said, I didn't mean to pry or eavesdrop. I said, but I wanna thank you for speaking highly because there are superheroes at this institution. We are all wanting you guys to excel and to move on to bigger and better things. And so it's nice to hear that. So I said, I want to thank you. And so for that, I didn't say, now get out, (laughs) you know. So I don't think it's just um, looking at something from the past. I think it's looking to what our students are expecting of us. And it ends with what that young lady said, that we are there. And in just letting her know, we are those superheroes. I sincerely meant that. And I want everybody to know that. So students know that I'm going to go to bat for the team, whether I know them or not, because I know everybody puts in a lot into everything that they do. Um, But it made me wonder about students back when, um, or me going back to my professors asking that same question. Um, And I'm going to have to do that and try to get some feedback as well. So that was very good what you shared there. So thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm going to switch to some of the questions that came from the last person I interviewed. So you may have answered some of these, but here go nothing. Uh, why Palm Beach state? Why did you choose to work here?
1: Well, um, Right before I came to Palm Beach State, um, I was on straddling what I was going to do. And I was the principal of a private institution, grades K through eight. And I wanted to either go and get certified in math. It was between getting a degree in STEM or just a mathematics education degree or just trying to do the pure math. And I chose the mathematics education when I was an administrator because I saw the need there. Now, when I was also as an administrator at this school, I was adjuncting at Palm Beach State College. And I started to see things in the classroom at the college that said to me, the problem is stemming from my school. I've got to make sure I'm doing what I need to do for the children that are in middle school. And when they get to high school, they need to understand, you don't want to duplicate this when you get to college. So it kind of just clicked. And I said, okay, I've got to do a lot of research, a lot of learning. And I started doing that. Fast forward, the administration part that I did, it includes everything in my story that I've shared, where I nurtured, I cooked, I cleaned, I did it all, and I burned out. (laughs) And so when an opportunity came, I went ahead and applied at the college, really not expecting to come in. Um, And I said, if I'm gonna have to be an administrator, you know I just got to do it I mean 29 years had I done one more year 30 years I could have retired with benefits not by age but have benefits that were the max benefits um, to receive once i reached the appropriate age but I gave it up because when I got to the college I felt like the need was greater. I felt like someone could step into the school at the administration and move it along and probably move it further, uh, more advanced than where I could take it because I just really had this in my mind, I've got to help with the math. And so Palm Beach State College I mean, there are so many resources that I never knew would be made available um, to me that helped me when I did get my math education degree. Um, And it just got me excited about making a difference with the developmental math courses. And I understood why I'm starting, rather, to understand why students struggle with it. So my research is helping me to work on certain platforms that I've adopted and created. And I am at the last one. And once I test this and I look at the data, then that's what I'm going to try and implement. And so not only will this help me here, but it'll also help me with the kids in the community. have just, I'm drawn to kids at risk, making sure I help them. Even if they don't get the whole package, they're gonna get something from it. And so Palm Beach State College was also gracious because when I was there, Dr. Russell actually kind of took us under her wing. We had a robotics club and Palm Beach State College trained our students. And so the two married very well together because it took a bit of math, it took some science. um, And as a result, I knew then, this is where I wanted to teach at Palm Beach State College because they, they like initiatives. They like new ideas where you're going out and you're having programs so that students can in turn come and Do their, you know, prereqs or even get their degree at Palm Beach State College at a fraction of the cost, but it's quality education. And so a lot of those students are at Palm Beach State College who were um, at the school when I was an administrator there. They are in college now and they go to Palm Beach State College, and a couple of them were in my classes. So Palm Beach State College kind of became like my lifesaver. Um in addition to the the wonderful faculty, um, you know, the administration just supporting me in that regard. I, I knew this was the place and this is my final resting spot, hopefully, you know, and the next one is I'm retiring and it will be from Palm Beach State College. You know, that that's my goal. So It's a wonderful place to be. I love it. I love everything that I do. Wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Well, then that kind of messes up the next two questions, or maybe you just answered them all together. Uh, The next one was, what do you see yourself doing in the next five years? So that, uh, well, anything to add to what you just said, or does that sum it up?
1: That sums it up. I'm I'm just going to, like you said earlier, get better at my craft. And at that craft has to deal with dealing with the different personalities that we have in our classroom. And I want to be able to group them so that I can help them even more effectively than I'm already hopefully offering.
0: Fair enough. Um, If you could change anything about your life, what would it be and why?
1: I would probably have joined the military. Really? Yes. And I'm going to tell you why. The military would have pushed me to probably follow my first dream, which was nursing. Um, And my hat goes off to those that are in the battle now with what they are doing. but it's, it's a challenge. And I remember the recruiter basically recruiting me to join the Army right on my day of graduation. And I said, what do I have to do? He said, all you got to do is fill this out. I filled it out. He said, now tomorrow you have to show up here to um, take the test. And then we're going to be heading to Tennessee so that you can do your um, Boot camp, your training. I overslept. <laughs> of all days to oversleep because I had been celebrating with friends that we graduated, and I literally did oversleep. And I felt bad about it, but then I said, you know what? I better stop and look at and make sure I'm doing this. I had to pack up, get out of the house, and all of that. I was busy with that. And I, then I said, okay, I'm going to call. I'm just going to go by really and see if they'll still let me. Well, I went by and he said, it's too late. You're going to have to wait another period of time. Um, and so I looked at that as a missed opportunity. Um, and I think I would have affected a uh, change there as well because I would have also had the skill set that I needed when I would have. Um, eventually retired from the military. And it would have been the branch, the army. Um, My brother went through there, um, you know, and it wasn't a good experience for him, but it was the regiment that I needed. You know how you hear students say I need structure? I was one of those students, I needed structure. Otherwise I would have gone bug wild And God knows what would have happened, including probably what my sister said. So I needed that structure. And so I disciplined myself to where I've got to stay in structure. And this faith-based organization was structure for me as well. So that's what I would have done if I would have had the opportunity.
0: I would not have guessed that either. (laughs) All right, the, the last question, or the second to last question is, uh, what is the name of the teacher that impacted your life the most? What would you say to them today?
1: Um, I would have to say it would be Mrs. Scalf, my fourth grade teacher. Um, and my teaching approach models hers. And I want to just thank her. I looked her up some years ago, could not find her. She was from Colorado. And this lady would bring in her experiences on her travels with her family and share them in the classroom. And somehow it related to the topic in math. So even though she was an elementary teacher teaching other subjects as well, she taught math to me the best. <clears throat> and she would make us think. She would say, I'm thinking of a word and that word has to do with when your parents tell you this, when you have to do that. And then we'd go on a bear hunt and we would have to do all of that. Hey, hey, what do I see? And we had to mimic her. I mean, she was that type of teacher. And I just remember her bringing life to the math classroom and challenging me. Um, And I I mean, just a wonderful person, very kind. And there was nobody in the classroom who was bored. Everybody's attention was there. So she was that type of teacher um, who I revered, respected, just loved. And I hated when I graduated from fourth grade and she cried because we really did bond.
0: All right. Well, then that brings us to the last question. What would you give uh, or what title would you give to your own episode and perhaps to the podcast at large?
1: Just real talk with the real McCoy, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That works
0: well. I, I like that. Well, thank you so very much for being so generous with your time and your thoughts. Uh, It it was an absolute pleasure talking to you again, as it always is, and uh, I I hope to do this again and hopefully perhaps in person once, once things have calmed down and we're all able to get back together.
1: Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: You're more than welcome. Have a nice day. All
1: right, you too.
0: In the next episode, a love story, two decades in the making.
1: I wrote the letter basically spilling out everything and I've been in love with you for 20 years and blah, 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 and then I sent off the
0: letter and then sat around terrified. And one day actually the phone rang and I could tell it was
1: her, no, I'd she'd called while I was away called, I was a, a church shop. And she called us away and I came back and there was a message from her. And when I first um, started to listen to it, I, I saw it was then and I stopped like, no, I'm not ready to listen to this. I can't, I'm you know, finally stealing my nerve to listen to it.
0: And, you know, I had asked the letter, you know, is it just the swoop, is there something different, you know? And she said, so the answer to your question is no. Until next time, for another
1: 82 times, take care.